Welcome to the Desert Life Church podcast. We're so excited that you tuned in to hear our weekend message. From wherever you're listening from, we hope you are encouraged by this message. So the big storm erupts. And clearly the sailors that are sailing with Jonah, they're not uh, Hebrew people. They don't follow Yahweh. They follow all their other gods. And it says that each one of them, they call out to and they sacrifice and they cry out and they worship their own gods, hoping that it will sink the storm, stop the storm. The storm is getting so bad, they fear the ship is going to sink. They start chucking things overboard. Then finally someone says, well, there's only one thing we haven't done. We haven't checked with that fella sleeping in the hull. And so they stir him and they, they, they wake him up and they say, where are you from? He says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the God of the land and the sea. Most of them would have had gods who are gods of particular geographical regions. And Jonah says, my, my God's the God of everywhere. And I said, okay, well, then you're the man we need to talk to. Please cry out to him on our behalf so that we can sink the ship. They cast lots thinking, who, 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 is, who is going to be responsible for this? And the lot points to Jonah, which means, okay, Jonah's the one who's causing this calamity for us. So they talk to Jonah, what should we do? And Jonah has, as, as the author has already shown us, his life has become a downward, downward spiral. And Jonah, true to the way his character is portrayed, he says to them, throw me overboard so that I'll drown. And it's the sec- he'll say this two times in the book. It's better for me to be dead. I'm better off dead. See, Jonah's life has become hopeless. It's become dark. It's become slumber. It's become meaningless. He's all wrapped up in himself. He's all looking for adventure on the high seas. But instead of taking him to this great mountaintop of life, it's taken him to a great valley in life where he thinks, I am better off dead. Ever been there? I, I was there the day I gave my life to Jesus. I had been there for 14 years. That's why I was a heavy drug user. That's why I was a heavy drinker. That's why I would party for three days and shove cocaine up my nose and Bacardi rum into my body and then sleep for three days and wake up and do it all again. Because life was just a downward spiral for me. Down, down, down. I was like Jonah. So the sailors in their wisdom, two things happen. The first thing is they chuck Jonah overboard and it calms the storm. The second thing that happens is they return their ship to land and they offer sacrifices and they worship Yahweh. And this is what I find sad about the story. Jonah knows God. God asked Jonah, go to the nations, go and and, and share of my goodness and share of my love and share of my compassion with people. And Jonah says, well, I could do that or I could just pursuing what I want out of life, a sense of adventure, a sense of novelty. I'm going to go find myself. I'm going to go get some buried treasure. I'm going to sail the seas. And I've actually found in my life, there's actually nothing more miserable than someone who knows God but isn't living God's way. Their life is characterized by a purposelessness and, and a deep cynicism and almost a bitterness. And, 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 and the things that just reek out of them are just a bit foul, I've found. Not said judgmentally, but just emotionally, they're, they're mixed up. I went to Bible college with 80 people who sat in the same chapel services of me, lifting their hands, saying, God, send us to the nations. And some of those people I catch up with them still regularly to this day. And many of them are now far away from God because they've just pursued other off-ramps. And they make more money than me. And some of them are now famous. Some of them are on TV. And, and, and I, every time I catch up with them, I think, man, you're on your third marriage. Your kids are my kids' age. They're not talking to you. This one looks like a, a, a metal detector is about to go off because there's, she's, her teenage angst is leaking out into all the different facial piercings that she has. And you're mad and yelling at her for it. And you don't realize she's crying for help because her dad doesn't have the skills to deal with her. 
The same guy that stood with me in Bible college going, God, send me, make me an agent of your love and mercy. As just now a bitter and cantankerous person with just cynicism and foul stuff. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Come on, I think we've all experienced that where, we've, where our, our spiritual life has cooled off and we've been a little bit away from God and, and, and we've just become a little bit funky in our soul, haven't we? So Jonah gets around these people and this is the tragedy of it. He's the one that knows God and they don't know God. But the reason they turn to God is because when they dispense with Jonah and chuck him overboard, their life is suddenly a better place. And they go, thank God. And they turn to Yahweh. They, they, they respond to their own altar call. They go and offer sacrifices to God. And why do they do it? Because Jonah, full of grace and compassion, showed them the life of God and represented God to them. No, because Jonah was a self-absorbed narcissist running from God, seeking the good life, all wrapped up in himself. And he was such a miserable person to be around that it created a storm that upset their whole life. And they couldn't even see the light of God until the one that knew God nicked off. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? But that can be what we're in danger of, can't it? That sometimes what's in our heart, our journey, our life, our testimony, our personality, the, the things that are coming out of us, you know, sometimes they can be the biggest barrier for the people around us to come to know God. Because the funky stuff that comes out of us, the selfishness that's in us, what we're running from instead of turning around and embracing the things that God has for us. And all of that chronicle can become a reason that when we leave people's lives, they can finally maybe come to know God because we're out of the way now. Isn't that a tragedy, eh? We're invited to represent God and Jonah becomes a barrier to God. His life sinks again. They throw him overboard and he sinks down to the depths. And just when you can't think it can't get anything worse... Two notes are heard in the depths of the ocean. Jaws comes out of the depths. Not a whale, by the way. The Hebrew doesn't say it's a whale. It says a big fish. It's a great big monstrous sea animal that we don't know what type of animal it would have been. Swallows him. And, 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 you know, I don't know about you, but if I'm Jonah, I'm like, great. I didn't think things could get any worse. And now I'm in the bowel of this kind of uber beast megalodon or something like that. And I can slowly feel its stomach juices digesting me, bleaching my skin and my hair. I'm going to come out with like, you know, looking like Patrick Swayze. I'm squished into that thing. Seeing the YouTube videos about someone getting swallowed by an anaconda and you can see the imprint on the outside of the skin. Imagine Jonah <gasps> shrink-wrapped in the bowel of a monster. But this is what the author to Jonah says. Because some of us, we, we find ourselves where our journey and our struggles and even our selfishness has left us in a very stinky, dark constrained space where our life just went overboard and we went overboard and we thought I can't possibly get anywhere else and then even more darkness swallowed us and it smells bad and we're stuck and that's where Jonah finds himself and we think, well, that's what happens. That's what happens. See, see, that's what God's like. If you don't follow God, then he'll get you. He'll do mean stuff to you. But remember, it was Jonah's idea to go overboard. And so God just let him go overboard. But the author says this, says, says but God provided a giant fish. Ha, ha, ha. So you're telling me that the fish isn't punishment? This is what I'll do to you. Yep, yep, yep. The fish isn't punishment. The fish is not punishment, my friend. The fish is protection. Jonah is thrown into the chaos, the watery depths. 
and he's going to drown there. He can't swim. He's a Hebrew person. Hebrew people have an antithesis to water because it represents everything like what's happening to Jonah. You go there, a big monster's going to eat you. Chaos threatening at any moment. <laughs> so, and so what does God do? God says, Jonah, your, your life is a downward story. You went down to Joppa. You're looking for Tajish. You went down into the ship. You went down into a deep sleep. And now you've gone overboard and you're literally down in the depths of the ocean. You cannot get any worse. And so what does God do? He finds himself in a funky place, a stinky place, a place of containment, a horrible place. Who's done biology at like school or uni and had to dissect something? Who did the rat experiment in biology in high school? I did it in in biology and then again in uni. Not by choice. Um, And what happens is when you dissect the rat, you just open up any animal, any animal. It's stinky in there, isn't it? There's this organic matter. But you're fine. You can cope with the stench of the animal. You know, you've done cane toads and bulls and cows and pigs in biology and all sorts of stuff. And you can cope with the inner stench of the animal. No problem. No problem. Unless some fool on your biology team takes the scalpel or other tool and punctures the bowel of that animal. There is nothing as hellish as the smell that comes from an animal's intestine, is there? Puncture the stomach. You've got like freshly chewed food and let's just say processed materials all coagulating there. It's a stinky, dark, juicy place. And it's just horrible. You can barely breathe when you do it on a rat. Imagine being in the bowel of a big beast big enough to swallow your whole and you can survive so it hasn't had to chew you. Stinky place. So, you know, I think that what Jonah, amongst the many things Jonah's trying to do, is trying to teach us, you know, you can live life any way you want. You're free. God's given you agency. He doesn't interfere with your choices. But he always holds up a separate alternative. And God's alternative is, hey, you could be part of what I'm doing to bring my love and my grace and my kindness to a world where, yes, there are horrible places about there, but I'm the God who wants to do wonderful things in horrible places. And you could run from God. I don't want to know you, God. I'm not going to represent you, God. I'm going to go find myself. I'm going to go on a a quest for adventure. But what happens is life has the tendency just to spiral down and down and down and down. And especially if you're trying to find yourself, what happens mostly when you do find yourself is you're a bit disappointed with what you found. You end up a little bit like a prophet sitting in the belly of a big monster, just breathing up the stink of intestinal juices. This is where Jonah responds to his own altar call because in the belly of the whale, this is chapter 2, I think it is, he starts singing praises to God and his his mind hits play on all the psalms of God's people that he knows and he begins to praise and worship God because he understands, yes, this is the worst place I've ever been in, but I'm not drowning, so God has at least preserved my life. What a great lens through which to be grateful for life, hey? Things could be really bad for you at the moment. You could be in great pain. You could be suffering huge loss. Life could be a stinky, constrained and dank place. But you're still living. And as long as you're still living, then you've got the opportunity for something great to happen. So Jonah turns to God in the bowel of the fish. And then it says, and God caused the fish to vomit him up. What a wonderful experience, hey? Just life-giving. Just when it couldn't be worse, you've now got to go back through what you just came down. But now with everything else, And I find sometimes that's what happens is sometimes you land up on the shores of life feeling like you've just been vomited out of something, don't you? But of course, you've got to recognize each one of those moments as the opportunity for a new start from God. 
This is what I love about the scriptures. They don't promise us a trouble-free life and they don't promise us a perfect life. They only promise us a life with hope, with light at the end of the tunnel. For Jonah, it was a great big stinky, long, squishy tunnel. But there was light at the end of it and it wasn't a train coming at him because trains weren't invented back then. He gets vomited up. Next scene. Then the word of the Lord came a second time to Jonah. Go to Nineveh, that great city. Tell them they need to turn around. Going to fast forward because now I have to stop. Jonah does. He goes and he gives the most half-hearted sermon that you've ever heard. It's a very short one. You, you would be unfamiliar with short sermons probably. Um, and he tells them to turn around. And Nineveh does what the sailors do. The sailors turn to God, but Jonah runs from God and he's the one that knows God. And then Nineveh turns to God and, and, and Jonah's got his ambiguous problems. But the whole city, the king, the king of Nineveh calls a fast and says, even the animals have to fast. Even the animals are coming out to this altar call. <laughs> And they all turn to God. And Jonah does, does what you'd expect someone who knows God not very well to do. He gets really annoyed. Ah! He goes out of the town and he builds himself a hut in the desert. And he sits under it and says he waits to see what will happen to the city. And of course, because they turn to God and repent, nothing happens to the city. And Jonah's like, well, this is not fair, God. I've just been like digested semi by a whale. I'm wearing ripped skinny jeans, bleached in white now. And, and this city that have done way worse things than I have, you're going to do nothing to them. And he gets really, really mad. And he gets super angry that he says to God, I'm so angry I could die. Think about this. Jonah can't face the thought of living in a world where God will love Jonah's enemies when Jonah won't love Jonah's enemies. This is not a story about Jonah. This is a story about what God's like. See, God is gracious and compassionate and kind. Jonah summarizes his rage at God in such a fantastic prayer. That's what conversation with God is. Conversation with God is prayer. So Jonah prays to God. And listen to what he says. He prayed to the Lord. This is verse 2 of chapter 4. Isn't this what I said, Lord? When I was still at home, this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew, I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. I knew you're a God who relents from sending calamity. So take away my life. It's better for me to die than even live. He, he says, I knew it. I knew you wanted to do something good to these people and I hate that idea. Jonah is suicidal and depressed at the fact that God loves horrible places and wants to do wonderful things in them. Isn't that an amazing thought? And that's a picture of the descent of Jonah. And it can be the picture of our descent too because sometimes we look at people like they're not God's cup of tea, don't we? And that they're not God type of people. We hear about things. What? Pastor Ben got blessed? He doesn't even wear socks. We see people come in. I remember a little while ago, a, a, a lady came in and we, we, a lot of people in our church knew her. She's super, super broken, addicted, been on a journey and everybody was just wanting her to find Jesus. She came to church. She walks in the door. The clothes she was wearing, she had been out shaking what mummy gave her the night before at the nightclub. You know what I'm saying? She came in, her hair was still smelling of the smoke and she still smelled of booze. It was all coming out of every pore of her body. She was wearing, just hear me appropriately, but clothing so revealing, everybody knew were pretty good. And someone comes up to me and says, Pastor Ben, who's going to tell her she can't come to church like that? I said, well, if you tell her, this will be your last time here. 
See the, see the spirit? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is she allowed to come in like that? She can't receive the grace of God dressed inappropriately. Another time somebody came to me and, and a relative of theirs came to me and said, hi, so-and-so wants me to ask you, you know, uh, what would you say if he told you there was too many sinners coming to church now and it's not a holy place anymore? I said, tell him to talk to me and tell him this, but tell him this is what I said word for word. Enjoy your new church because this ain't the place for you. Church is a place for sinners, huh? Because we are those sinners. We're not standing here looking at the Ninevites thinking we're amazing. Jonah would rather die than admit what God is really like. Oh man, that's a descent. It's a descent from a self-absorbed, selfish person who on the one hand is supposed to know God, Jonah the prophet, but on the other hand shows us that the pagan sailors and the Ninevites know God much better than the person of God knows God. And so I, I... Story... How many English teachers are in the room? Remember stories that you learned? These stories have a beginning uh, and an end. Okay, Jonah, Jonah has a beginning and a middle, but it has no end. It's broken all the rules of literature. Jonah's venting at God, and, and, and then God says this. You know, there's the plant thing. The plant grows up, and Jonah's like enjoying his creature comforts, and then it gets taken away, and he's furious. And so God says to him, you, you, you've been concerned about this plant, though you didn't tend it or make it grow. And it sprang up overnight and it died overnight. This is the last words in the book of Jonah. God says to him, should, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, that means moral depravity, and also many animals? Where are the vegans in the church? God cares about the animals. In, in Jonah, God is even compassionate about them. <laughs> That's why they fast. Um, so the book of Jonah finishes in a weird way there's no conclusion, there's no ending it just finishes with this question of God left hanging it's like have you ever done a jigsaw puzzle and you've gone to put in the last piece and realise you can't find it how annoying is that you borrowed a mystery murder book from the library Agatha Christie, she only reveals the killer on the last page and you get to the second last page and you see the separation where someone has ripped out the last page and you are devastated (laughs) Because you want to know the ending, don't you? I do. So Jonah doesn't have an ending. And it's a piece of genius how God has done this. It finishes with a question. And then you read it and go, but, but, but what happened next? It's a cliffhanger. It's like there's not going to be part 6, 7 and 18 like Star Wars. It's just, it's finished now. What's the ending? And you go, what happens next? <laughs> And that's when you understand this is what the Bible does. The Bible tells you every story and it holds a mirror up in front of your face. And you go, what happens next? And you're looking in the mirror and so the mirror is saying to you, yeah, what does happen next? What did Jonah say? I don't know. What did Jonah do? I don't know. Where did Jonah go? I don't know. But I look in the mirror of Jonah and I see Ben Tifi. Someone who can easily be more concerned about his creature comforts than about the great things God would like to do in hurting people's lives. How about you? That sometimes I can get more hung up on the shade over my own head than than the the torture and pain of people who don't know God. How about you? I can run looking for adventure and looking for all sorts of things and flights of fancy in my mind, trying to find myself. Or I could just say, hey, I have to answer the question of Jonah. What happens next? Jesus said in 
Mark chapter 8. It gives you the meaning of life from the kingdom of God perspective. Jesus summoned a crowd along with his disciples and he had them gather around and he said to them, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely disown your own life. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience. Experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. For if you let your life go for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, you will continually experience true life. But if you choose to keep your life to yourself, then you will forfeit what you try to keep. And what use is it? It's the same question from the book of Ecclesiastes. For what does it profit a man? What use is it to gain everything life could offer you, but at the cost of your own soul? And what could be more valuable to you than your own soul? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over this room today? If God is transforming your life through this ministry, please consider joining us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at desertlifechurch.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Have a great week.